Good, Ryan. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Finally got some news. We got something to talk about. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All at once. <laughs> this is how it goes, right? <laughs> yeah. Rains at four. I get another minute or two, and uh, yeah, we can definitely definitely got some stuff to talk about tonight. Cool, cool, cool. Hey, Willie, how you doing tonight? I'll assume you're doing good. <laughs> All right, we can we can probably go ahead and get started here. Got about 70 people here. I, I know there's some more people kind of straggling in, but man, what a day, right? I mean, hopefully everybody caught it and had a chance to read uh, everything that was put out today. So Margot Cleveland, I mean, hats off to her. She she got the scoop of the century. I mean, right now I think it's really being underplayed and, and not covered enough because she, she came down with a scoop that it's going to blow up. It's going to be a big deal. Uh, it's a big deal that she got it. I mean, here we are six years later, right? And 330 million Americans, you know, apparently nobody, there's only such a small handful of people that are pursuing FOIAs and pursuing documents on this and Margot Cleveland got it. She got the kind of the, the thunderbolt on this one. So um, hats off to her. A few weeks ago, we had come up with a FOIA document and, and I'd gotten this FOIA from uh, Georgia tech. And in this FOIA document, Manos had said like very clearly that he had something to do with fancy bear analysis. So that, that was kind of a, like a good clue, but I don't think we quite grasped what we grasp now. And it's much more clear in the, the documents that Margot got. So if anybody ha has been at work all day and you missed it, Margot has a great story that's written up, but we also have the documents. So um, I know I've shared some of the documents. I know Fool has shared some of the documents as well. And they very clearly state that, um, you know, Manos was, was involved with investigating the DNC hack. And, that obviously opens up just a, a treasure trove of questions, right? And, and I'm not going to presume or, or, you know, indicate that I have all the answers for, for you all tonight. I know you have good questions. I just don't have the, all the answers for you. So um, if I can try to break this down a little bit, I'll do my best, but don't hold me to anything in particular because, you know, this is obviously a breaking story and, and we just don't know a lot of the answers. So the story, as you all know, uh, in April 2016, the DNC server was hacked. That is the story. And at the end of April, they called in Michael Sussman, who uh, was like a lawyer for the DNC. He ran the investigation for the DNC. He contracted CrowdStrike. Now, Sussman was the client. It wasn't the DNC. Sussman was actually the client for this investigation. He was the one that was interfacing with CrowdStrike. He was interfacing with the DNC, uh, he was interfacing with the FBI. And that's really been the extent of the knowledge other than 
At some point, these reports made their way to the FBI. And we know there's three reports from CrowdStrike, and that was pretty much it. Now, we've, we've always had questions, right? With attribution going to the GRU, you kind of think like, okay, well, who's monitoring the, the GRU, right? We can think about it reactively where CrowdStrike is going to come in and do an attribution analysis. But what about proactively? If they're our mirror, right? If Russian military uh, cyber group is out there operating, somebody's monitoring them, right? So a lot of people have always kind of thought like, well, what is the Department of Defense doing right there? Like, did they watch these guys hack the DNC or, or what kind of information did they have? And we've never really gotten any any information about that. But what becomes really interesting is apparently under the enhanced attribution program that Manos and Joffe and others were involved with and uh, Kara Midas, who was at DARPA but later went to Georgia Tech as a professor, and what this group does under the enhanced attribution program is they were just going out there and they were investigating all these cyber crimes and they were doing attribution analysis for a multitude of uh, crimes and they were kind of like setting up this program during 2016. This was a pilot program and that also opens up questions, right? I mean, how much risk do you want to take as a pilot program? What if you're audited? What if there's something you don't know about? Um, so, that, that obviously opens up a lot more questions, and I don't want to get too far down the road, but uh, apparently what happens is this group uh, with Monos, and I, I don't want to speculate too much on this, but I just want to stick to what's in the documents. Apparently Monos is tasked with, by the Department of Defense through DARPA with giving attribution analysis to Guccifer. And as you know, Guccifer is the one that was putting out all the documents, the hacked documents from the DNC. And apparently, uh, his analysis was pretty important. Now, a couple of documents that I got a couple of weeks ago was, you know, people from the Army are, are really interested in the, so, the, the fancy bear analysis that he had done. So we knew there was something there. But now, it, you know, the exact timing of it is a common question I've been getting all day. I don't know. I don't know the timing of when Manos was called in to kind of take a look at this. Was it in 2016? I don't know. I don't want to say that. I can't speculate that far back because we don't have documents saying it was 2016, but we do have documents in 2018. And by April 2018, uh, apparently they have done this analysis and they're starting to send it off to their contacts in the Department of Defense. And that becomes really interesting because it was about five months later that uh, the Department of Defense started indicting uh, these 12 GRU operatives for the DNC hacks. So, there's more questions than, than I can answer tonight, obviously. I don't want to speculate too much. I, I'd love to kind of just take it around the room, get some reaction. Maybe we can go a little bit further about a couple other pieces that I'm aware of. But uh, MB, I don't know if you want to kick it off. I don't know if you have any reaction or, or Willie and King. I'll, I'll certainly invite you to speak. And Mansoor, I see you're here too. So, yeah, kick it off, guys. I'd love to hear what you think. Sure. Um, I think we got to give Ryan his props right now because he was the guy – that put these FOIA requests in with Georgia Tech and did the heavy lifting and does not get enough credit. He's a humble guy, but I mean, he really did the did the heavy lifting on this stuff. So thanks for that. Um, the other thing is that um, you know I, I'm really curious 
what uh, what else was going on with Georgia Tech, what else was going on with Manos, because like you said, we this is really the tip of the iceberg. We, we've got a couple of emails that just are tantalizing and they don't tell us a whole lot about what actually happened, but whether smoke, there's fire, something happened. And, uh, you know, again, we can speculate all kinds of things, but um, I, I, the other thing that I was, I thought the last time we had this, that it was a little bit premature to dig into the DNC server hack. I just, I kind of had a feeling like, oh, you know, it's too early. People are going to get, you know, over the skis on it maybe, but nope, the timing was perfect because uh, if you listen to the last spaces, we, you know, went really deep into this and explained, um, you know, what we knew and we're pretty careful about it. And it's really relevant right now. So uh, hopefully you all caught that. Hey, Willie, I think your microphone's pretty quiet there. Okay, so the attribution of, right, the, so it's CrowdStrike attribution, the APT2829 cozy and fancy bear. And so this this is all this like ops trust group. Um the the you know the thing that Juppy set up so that well he didn't set up but he was part of it. So all the like say so CrowdStrike, uh FireEye, um uh, whatever the other, I don't know. But, so there's a load of different companies, which are the uh, McAfee, etc. So they're all part of this Ops Trust DNS, um, like sharing uh, virus typey thing. And what I think we've seen today is that DARPA is involved. Um, so, well, I, I don't know if we can make that connection right right away. Um, so, what he's referencing, it and people, uh, if you haven't been following this for a couple of weeks now, so a couple of weeks ago, this story came out um, about Ops Trust, and what Ops Trust is is a highly vetted community. It's like a secret forum for highly vetted uh, security professionals, law enforcement professionals, apparently, that are involved in this like community. And, and you have to have somebody vouch for you to become a member. And they, they advertise this, right? So I'm not just making this up. You can go back to like the Wayback Machine, and it's opstrust.net, I believe. And uh, yeah, they advertise this like secret community, and like everybody can set up their own trust group, they call it. And that's like your own personal group for whatever purpose you, you've designed. And it's not all nefarious purpose, so I don't want to give that impression, but there's, there's over 700 members on this site. And, uh, you know, we've heard some rumors. I don't want to share them here. I want to kind of keep this one clean, but um, we, we have heard some rumors about some stuff that have gone on there. Uh, we don't know the extent to which it was used in relation to the DNZ hacks or Alpha Bank to, to actually share any information. But you know, it would not surprise me if some of these characters that we we've seen are also involved in that. So I, I think that's a good point. Did you have anything else, Willie? No, it, it it's really like today. So I I had an idea of Ops Trust, thinking it was like just the uh, internet companies, the DNS uh, 
like Comcast, etc. Blah blah blah. blah. Um, it was only today that you it was mentioned DARPA, and I was like, oh yeah, no, that would be part of that ops trust thing. Um, I think Walker Fire was going to add some fire to that um, at some point, but um, I don't know if that's related, but it, it, it's something that I thought today. Yeah, that's interesting. We'll, we'll definitely keep that in mind. and I hope we get a little bit more information. Um, I know there's some more stuff that, that is developing there. I can't preview it for any, anybody, obviously, but um, hopefully we le- we do learn more. I think that's good to keep in mind as we kind of progress here, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Mansoor, I don't know if you have some comments to share. I see ships here. Ship, King, if you guys want to jump in here, I think I sent you invites. I'd love to hear your thoughts, obviously. Mansoor, if you got anything, go ahead. Otherwise, I'll... Uh, Hi, sorry. I'm it. just... Um... I'm going to have something in a minute. Um, okay. I'm reviewing it still, so I'll see you in a minute. Sounds good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> One thing about uh, just the Ops Trust got me thinking. Um, their community, it's a pretty you know reasonably small community, pretty tight-knit in the industry. And I, I think they all knew a lot. Um, I think these were some really badly kept secrets because these guys don't seem like they're super you know savvy about that kind of thing. And I suspect they gossip and chatter quite a bit. Um, I, I, I don't know if you guys saw, but ooh, am I echoing here? Sorry. Sorry. Um, anyway, Fool had a uh, an anonymous tip last year at some point uh, from a Mr. Smith, I think it was, that said he knew first or second hand, someone told him that uh, Jaffe – was involved in the DNC hack investigation. And that was quite a while ago. So, you know, who knows who that was, but the guy was dead on. So I think this was probably a pretty, pretty badly kept secret. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to steal fool's piece. I, I, you should put I a lot of faith. You should definitely put a lot of faith in what fool shares. I, he's very cautious about what he puts out there. And, and I'll say that much. So um, anything fool puts out there and, and, you know, I'm not going to get ahead of them on anything, but but definitely take that under invi- advisement and definitely pay attention to everything he puts out there. And and to your point, I mean, these guys, it, it's amazing to me, right, to see uh, Manos's lawyer Shamal like send him these emails and and talking about the case and stuff, and then Manos like destroys privilege by sending it out to his buddies, right? That's that's why it comes up in FOIAs. Because this guy's like sending it to his buddies, and it's like it, it's it, it makes me laugh every time I, I see these emails come up. And it, you know, the bombshell today from Margot was like him putting something out there to, like he's trying to do the right thing, I think. And and I really felt felt a little bit of sympathy for him um, because you know he's going through a lot, and and you know we're we're all interested in getting justice, but I don't want to see anybody suffer and. Everything that is adjudicated should be done in the court of law, not in the court of public opinion. And, and, you know, Manos has a different take on some things. So we should give him, you know, the time to make his case and, you know, let the facts kind of fall in line with, with where they are. And then, you know, 
that was, a, that was my thought. And, and I certainly still feel that way, but then it comes up like the attribution, like he's, he's involved in a lot more than what he's kind of leading on. So I don't know. I, he's a very interesting guy. I, I love, I love for him to like jump into this chat and just like tell his side of the story because I don't actually get the sense that he was like a conspirator. I don't actually think like he was in the planning operational type stage, but you do have to ask, like, how much did he know and how much should he have known? If he, if he was looking at the attribution side and then all of a sudden, like, he's being asked to look at the DNC or the, the Alpha Bank pings and stuff, it's like, come on, dude. Like, you can't really plead ignorance to this. You know, you know something's going on here. So I, we'll I, see. I, I, but I think it's a very repetitive Greek name, like uh, Manos. I forget his surname, but it's, it's repetitive, like Papa, Papa, Papa. Papadopoulos. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, got some long names in this one for sure. <laughs> ship, uh, ship or King? Yeah. If you guys want to jump it's, in, I see Fool. I'll, I'll add Fool here too. Okay. This is King, and I just one comment, uh, then I'll step aside because I'm not sure I have much to add to this one. But I think it is significant that if you compare what's been published about CrowdStrike's analysis to the details that are in the uh, Mueller indictment of the Russian hackers, they don't match. The, the, the Mueller team relied on somebody else other than CrowdStrike to put that indictment together. And it, it from what we learned in Margot's uh, article today. I'm, I'm 98% certain it. He used uh, the Georgia Tech people. Anybody reach reach the same conclusion? Yeah, I think there's. Um, I think there's some good points. I think somebody shared an article a few days ago where Mueller was, was relying on some contractors for, for stuff. And, and I, I'm not ready to say like, they're definitely using like some of these it firms and entities that were, um, that are connected to all these different players, but it, it would be really fascinating if, if it was something like that, because it, you know, kind, kind of to your point, I mean, it, it seems, I guess there seems like there's more there, but, um, Sorry, just got distracted for a second. King, I don't know if you have anything more. Go ahead and, and take it. Otherwise, ship. I, I see you're ready to speak. Yeah, there there is a um, oh, I've, I've I've asked about this a couple of times over the years, and I can't remember the name of the program. But there is an FBI program that exists that is semi-formal arrangements between you know uh, cyber squads and private industry and it's really designed just to, to leverage sometimes the greater technical ability that exists in private industry than than the, than the fbi cyber squads can necessarily bring to bear on a problem um it's semi-formal there's a there is a program that exists where it's documented uh and but it's on kind of a case-by-case as needed basis sometimes these um the 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 private industry company uh, is you know just a, a 
pointer, you know, it, it just, you know, it's just a tipster. Sometimes they're leveraged to specifically, you know, ask to do a, a certain thing. And this, this is not a big secret. This is not a secret program. I mean, it exists in every office that has a cyber squad, a, a place they can, you know, and it's, it's, I, you know, I know that the arrangements are documented. They're not, they're not, you know, like under the table or a secret. And, and I suspect that, you know, the, 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 the cyber aspects of Mueller's investigation were done in that fashion, you know, with, with, you know, established FBI tech people assigned to the Mueller special counsel because Mueller used FBI personnel. Um, and then they worked with, you know, a, a higher level of expertise in the private sector to generate, uh, you know, the two main indictments that focused on uh, Russian activities. Now, I mean, I could go back, I, you know, it's probably, I mean, I wasn't writing a red state then, so it had to be a long time before that might have been like at Paterico or something. But I wrote some very, very critical uh, analysis of those two long Mueller indictments, basically from the standpoint that, you know, Mueller could put anything in those they wanted. Th those did not have to be based upon any substantial evidence because they knew when they brought them, or they expected when they brought them, Neither one of them would, would ever have a defendant that actually turned up in court and asked for the discovery or tested the, the strength of the indictments. You, know, you can say whatever you want in an indictment. You can feed information to a grand jury, and then the prosecutor writes the indictment. I mean, I hope nobody's under the illusion that you know, grand juries actually write the indictment. The prosecutors write the indictments. So you know, the prosecutors in, in the SCO, Mueller's SCO, could sit at the computer and write the indictment to say whatever they wanted to say, put, you know, source material into the grand jury testimony that's consistent with that, however thin it might be, you know, and, and then, you know, trot it out into the media in a big press conference because you put it all in a public document without the expectation of ever having to prove it. Because, well, you know, if you, you indict 12 or 14 or however many GRU officers and you name them and you make it a public filing you're never going to catch them. They're, they're never going to leave Russia and walk to a country where they might be indicted and ex or they might be uh, arrested and extradited. So, so uh, it, it might, it might've been the Georgia tech researchers, as I think King just mentioned that Mueller, you know, leveraged uh, since, but you know, well, I guess if they looked at as, as, as Margo's piece today says, you know, Georgia tech was asked to look at Guccifer 2.0. At least, at least that, you know, that's, that's what the one uh, a memo she's got says. Uh, but, you know, it, who knows what else they were asked to look at. You know, that's sort of, you know, every time you get one of these threads, one of these strings that you can pull on from a line in an email like she found, and, and I would point out again the point that I've made on Twitter many times, it's like Durham's so far ahead of the rest of us, you, you just, you guys just can't. You know, these are questions he was asking this guy months ago in the grand jury. He's already looking at, uh, you know, the DNC hack. Um, and, and so who knows where else he's gone at this point. Um, the one thing I'm surprised at is we don't have more leaks 
into the media, not from Durham, but from the people that are being questioned and their lawyers. Uh, they can say anything they want. There's no secrecy surrounding, you know, what a special counsel asks you. Um, they can they can talk and leak and say anything they want to anybody they want, any me- member of the media they want. It can end up in the press. So I've always been a little bit surprised that Durham's uh, interests have been as well uh, concealed as they have been, given that anybody who's asked questions could go public with what they were asked about. I think that's that's such a great point, Ship. I mean, you made several great points there. I, I I'm really amazed, and I've been thinking about this for a few days now that they didn't run to kind of the stenographers that they have, and they've leaked other pieces, but a couple of emails, and I don't know if you you've seen these, um, but it's part of the the FOIA release that that Margot got. Manos was like terrified of being tied to the attribution. He wasn't concerned about the Alpha Comms channel. He was terrified. What would happen if the public found out that he had a role in the attribution of the DNC hack? And that's what he was concerned about, and that's what he was expressing to uh, the administration at Georgia Tech. He wanted extra security uh, in advance of that, and that was in June 2020, I believe. So uh, another piece that we got, and there, there's a few other emails, and there, there's some stuff that hasn't been released yet that I'm kind of sandbagging on, but um, there's some other emails from that same time period where it's really clear, uh, you know, we have some emails from June 2020, but they're referencing conversations that go back months at that point. So in my opinion, this goes back into late 2019 that Durham's had this. And, and to think about that, I mean, Durham's had this for a couple of years, and this might actually be uh, why Durham publicly disagreed with Horowitz. He, he literally might have had this by that point. So that's, that's pretty amazing to think about, too. Well, and that that time frame is is interesting because you know we there, there was never any firsthand information, but uh, remember he was he everybody there was speculation he was going to act in August 2020, you know, us uh, ninety day at least ninety days prior to the election. You know that that's sort of like an unwritten benchmark in DOJ is that if you're going to take uh, enforcement action that might have some impact on election, you don't do it inside ninety days. So you know. People were looking at that August window. Durham's going to act. Durham's going to act. Durham's going to act. But you know, August 2020 was five months into COVID, and and so now you just gave the time frame here for some emails as as June 2020, right? So we know Durham was active at that point. But what happened? And this is what people I think just who who've not been involved in this process don't appreciate is, you know. Durham is largely interviewing people and then putting them into the grand jury. Um, and, and, you know, when you want to interview somebody that's got a lawyer and you've got agents involved and prosecutors to, it's just, it's, it's, it's mind numbing and one, it, it causes you to want to pull your hair out to schedule this kind of stuff because everybody's calendars have to be, you can't just tell somebody to show up on a particular day with their lawyer. Um, if the lawyer's not available and if you're, if it's kind of a, you know, I mean, you could subpoena somebody to the grand jury, but you don't always want to do that. You want to maybe have a little more cordial relationship trying to draw out information. The person may not ultimately be a target like these Georgia Tech researchers. You know, they, they, you know Durham's approach to them might have been, look, 
we're not targeting you. You know, you were operating under a contract. We just want to know what happened, who told you what to do, what information you were given, what you did with it. Well, you got to schedule those things. And then remember, you had all the, the travel restrictions and the, you know, six weeks to or whatever it was, two weeks to flatten the curve and all that kind of crap. And Durham's ability to have those meetings and do those interviews face to face, you know, before the grand era of Zoom really kicked in, um, it, it just ground to a halt, ground to a halt during the summer of 2020. Then in August and September, now you're into the election season. And, and uh, that just, that's just never going to go fast. And Durham is by reputation methodical, you know, in the extreme anyway. Yeah, I, like I said, I mean, he, he was reaching out in June 2020, referencing conversations going backwards, but it was July 15th, 2021, before Manos was put in a grand jury. So it was a full year, it was over a year later before Manos was really forced to testify because he did refuse initially those inter- interview requests. Yeah, well, well, there were a lot of uh, districts that, were, that had shut down grand juries for a period of several months. You know, you weren't you weren't having twenty five people meet in a room during you know at the height of the initial COVID mania from uh, April to September or October. I mean, twenty five people could meet on the street and protest, you know, the death of uh, George Floyd, but you couldn't have twenty five people meet in a room to hear evidence of you know criminal activity. And there there were a lot of districts that shut down the grand juries. They didn't do any grand jury. Uh, proceedings the entire summer of 2020. That's a great point. And uh, JH, yeah, if you want to jump in, yeah, go ahead. I, I know you had something. Say, uh, I sent you a link on this, but uh, I just happened to be looking at this today, but uh, the Horowitz was issued a report in September 2020 um, dealing with basically contracting misconduct, but uh, the FBI apparently uh, contracts subject matter experts is what they're called. And there's this company, Tuva LLC, that uh, generated a big report. And they got like $60 million from December of 2015 was when they were first contracted. That date kind of stuck out a little bit. But all the way through like two, 2019, they, you know, basically... Uh, getting contracts as subject matter experts when they didn't seem to be doing a whole lot of work or being conducted with a whole lot of oversight. And I'm kind of wondering if it's related somehow. But that's it. I think they're called SMEs is what I was getting at. Yeah, I, th- I think I see the link that you sent me. I'll, I'll have to take a look at that. I, I am not familiar with that one in particular. Uh, and see, we have a bunch of questions. Does anybody have anything else they want to kind of get into, though? All right. Uh, Thomas, I'm going to go ahead and add you. And if you have a question or comment, go ahead. Oops. Looks like there was an error. Uh, Thomas, I'm sorry. If you want to go ahead and request to speak again, I'll, I'll happily add you. Well, I think we lost him. 
Mansoor, I think you, you had a comment you wanted to get into or you had some more time. Uh, yeah, I'm just getting sidetracked on Marcy Wheeler right now. Um, <laughs> she is talking about some idea that like with respect to the crowd strike server issue, DNC, et cetera, she, um, she's talking about, like she's making a claim that there's multiple servers and specifically AWS or staging servers um, that, let me see what she's saying here, that she's saying that um, FBI actually did see this data and like, it's like actually the reverse of what the story that we're normally told. She's saying that there are these other servers, staging servers or AWS, and that FBI actually did, quote, seize them and or they provide, like FBI provided that data to Henry, which he never even had hands on. And I, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm currently doing like the research on this because I never even heard this before, uh, but just wanted to throw that out there as kind of like a wrench in the wheel uh, to see if anybody else knows about that or has any thoughts on that. Check out uh, Yared Tamin's testimony. Um, I think it was to the House. Um, but he was basically the IT guy at the DNC. And he was in his testimony, he said he turned over logs, but I didn't see anything about actually handing over like full server images or full servers. So it, I'm sure the DNC does have a bunch of servers, but it, uh, um, it, server is kind of a generic term for all sorts of different things, I guess. Right. Yeah, I don't see that she's actually citing like source documents or anything. Um, no, I, and I not... like I said, I'm currently yeah. tro like I'm currently climbing through like every mention that she's ever made of this back to 2019, uh, and I don't see citation like anywhere. But I will, um, I'll send over the links to some people. But yeah. source, doc so source documents. Marcy Weaver's <laughs> got no need for source documents. <laughs> I, you can go down so many rabbit holes reading crap she writes. <laughs> I recommend I, that. I, 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 can't, I, I can't even go on her site. I, I can't even <laughs> go on her site. I, it's like I it gives me a headache. It, it, I, I completely uh, agree. I actually tried to read her, her blog a few times because she gets so much play. I mean, for Christ's sake, uh, who was it? Susan fucking Hennessy was like citing her and reaching out to her as a source, like an authoritative source on stuff. So I'm like, Jesus Christ, I guess I have to read this lady now. And you're right. It's impossible to read. Uh, it's impossible to, to conversate with her. Um, so yeah, I'm probably just wasting my, my damn time here. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, I find another hobby. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're citing her for her legal takes, which is outstanding. I'm sure you guys really love that. It's unbelievable. I, 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 I blocked her. I just blocked her. I just can't deal with crazy. I, I can't well, recommend you, enough. Go look at Margot Cleveland's thread where she's responding to Marcy. She slaps her down so hard, I think her teeth are still chattering. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Margot so, crushes her. You know what's kind of kind of funny is like 
So if I when I run like a, a Twitter search on this AWS server theory that she's been talking about, this goes clear back to like 2019. And what's funny um, is like Twitter stacks the results like in chronologically, right? So if you like if you scroll all the way down to this shit that she was talking about in 2019, it's funny because her account has like very little traction back then. But then, like the likes and like the the stuff, you know, like the likes and the replies to her to her tweets. But as you go through like 2021, and as she's pumping out more like disinfo for the Mueller crowd, her her account just like effing explodes. Um, so sorry, I'm probably just wasting everyone's time here. I'm really sorry. No, you're fine. I I don't want to go down the rabbit hole too far with with Marcy there. That's that's. Uh... I don't think that's going to be a productive use of our time. I, uh, I'll respect her. I mean, she wants to put in FOIAs and kind of put out stuff. I'll do that. I, I think I was reading her Wikipedia page one time, and it, it was like talking about her ability to navigate legal dockets and like do analysis and stuff, and I, I just can't get there anymore with her. So, um, yeah, I think it's probably a good practice to block her. I, I would not take her seriously. I, I don't think it's really worth to take, taking up too much time to even – like covered like her takes like it, it's really good to get a diverse set of opinions and like get that brainstorming going on but we can kind of kind of skip her for a while and just see you know if she kind of comes comes around on some stuff so okay. I, I i just got one quick quick real quick anecdote about her though so yeah a couple of years ago i mean i was i was spending some time trying to slice and then dice in her legal stuff because it was just stupid and, and she and she blocked me so all right, fine. She blocked me. I couldn't couldn't read her anymore. You know, I could set up a second account if I wanted to to see, but it wasn't worth the trouble because it's also asinine. Lo and behold, about three months ago, I'm suddenly unblocked because she's now starting in on my representation of J6 defendants. So she unblocked me so that she could read me um, when I became a, a J6 defense counsel. So now she refers to me from time to time connected to one case or another i i can't i can't believe the way she goes into personal attacks on people and and she like hey, tries be- to twist things around and like make pe- make people seem like they're incompetent just because she doesn't agree with them and and i i don't really appreciate that about her at all because i, I see Ryan, that- she she gave you actually sort of a, a shout out uh today i think it was today or yesterday she mentioned um the sleuth's corner uh, yeah. and she's, she's infuriated. Yeah. She was going off for a while. So we'll see. I, she's kind of like, I hinted, think she, like, I think she's been in here. I, I think one of our sessions, you know, uh, not last session. I won play that, but, but three or four sessions ago, I saw her, I saw her, her as a listener. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, if she wants to come in here, I'll, I'll debate her if there's nothing else going on, but if there's like breaking news and stuff, she can just listen. Like she's not going to get, she's not going to get time to speak. It's, it's just the way it is. So. Nah. Fool. Go ahead, Willie. It, it, it's fool who needs to like, like tame Marcy. That's his, his, his option. That's okay. Sorry, Willie. I think it cut out there pretty pretty bad. Thomas, I see you're back. I don't know if you you have something. There is one more topic I wanted to cover. I'm kind of waiting for Fool to to 
come here because it, it's kind of cool. And Fool knows a lot more about it. It's related to uh, the Hal Martin case. And we have a couple emails, and I wanted to, to get Fool's take, and I know he'll be jumping in at some point here. But uh, Thomas, if you want to go ahead, and then uh, Mitt, I see you're around. I'll, I'll cue you in second. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I was just wondering if you could give uh, your take and maybe we could get Ship's take on uh, the hearing that happened today. Um, your take on the, you know, the judge's interaction with the special counsel and whether you think that means the end of these speaking indictments, which have been so entertaining to read. Yeah, Ship, I don't know if you had a chance to read that today. I I am not like a legal lawyer or anything. Um, Ship, if, if you read it, go ahead and take it. I I just read a, a few of the, the, I guess, Ryan, is that Ryan? You were you were listening to it, right? Because so, you were doing some live tweeting, it seemed like. Uh, and yeah, I read I a some... few of the comments. I, I, you know, I mean, to me, the hearing was, was a nothing burger. I mean, it was just, I think the only, this was the one about the existence of conflicts and and, you know, the prosecutor, you just want to call those to the court's attention. The court, So the court deals with them with the defendant and any conflicts that exist that are that the defendant that the defendant is aware of them and, and makes a knowing and intelligent waiver of any conflicts that exist. Because, you know, most of them can be waived, but you want to do it in court. You want it on the record. And that prevents it from coming back, you know, post conviction uh, and, and coming back to haunt you that the you know, lawyer had a conflict of interest and the defendant never waived it. Um, the judge's comment at the end of the admonition, you know, what I really liked was his comment was, you, you know, you have an audience of one and that's me. Like, okay, I'm going to keep telling you all the things I think you should know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how that changes anything. You see this extraneous information that they apparently think that, that they're loading up into these filings. It's like, well, you don't think that's important information for you to know, judge, you know, the, the, the judges, it, it, this is D.C. is maybe worse than a lot of other places in the sense that those judges are busy. They've got dozens and dozens and dozens of criminal cases and a couple hundred civil cases all at the same time. And these judges, I don't care how notorious a particular case is, except maybe Emmett Sullivan and General Flynn, they do not have command of every discrete fact in every case that they can simply call upon You know, whenever the case is called for whatever hearing. They have to continually go back and remind themselves of what a particular case is about and what the what the facts are because it's just they have uh, the dockets are just enormous and they're packed with important cases. So it's like uh, in a criminal case, especially um, as both the prosecutor and now the defense lawyer, I continually take every effort I could get to educate the judge as to the facts of the case. Um, and so I don't know that you know his admonition of the special counsel to not be so you know effusive with extraneous facts it's going to stop anything there's really no remedy for that you know the kind of the prosecutor can get away with that because it's a public document well you can tell me that i should have you know the way the the way the the way the court puts stop to it and says and this is actually unique in dc in my experience now that i'm practicing there there's no page limits you know, there's page limits in just about every court. You know, if you've got something important to file and you can and, and you can do it in 15 pages, you better not take 30 pages. Because as I was told as a young prosecutor, you know, 
each page is time and you're wasting the judge's time and that will not work for you over an extended period of time so most but dc in their local rules doesn't have a page limit on motions well if 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 durham was locked into a 15 page page limit without leave of court you're not going to have all of the information that he is loading into these things but you know, let's say he files another one where he has a lot of, uh, you know, uh, extra information in it, and the judge criticizes him for it. Well, judge, we thought it was important for you to know that stuff. So I, 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 I don't know what I don't know what I don't know what 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 the judge thought he was accomplishing with that admonition. Ship, I, I have one quick follow up on that. So I think there, there's one point that I kind of had a thought on, and that was. This was a conflict filing, right? So I think there's one section that I think the judge might have been referencing. That was the section that went kind of that went viral, and that was uh, that tech executive one was uh, abusing his access to basically spy on the president, right? That he had this access to the executive branch of the of the uh, presidency, Office. right? Yeah, and that was that was a little bit further than he went in the original indictment. So. Um, do you think the judge is kind of trying to make a point of, you know, kind of a, I don't know if, I don't want to call it abusing the the conflicts motion to add in extra information? Do you think there's something there where the judge is kind of correct, saying, you know, keep this brief, and uh, if you want to add new information, do it in another manner? Is that what he's trying to say, or do you think it's, you know, the judge is just kind of making a big deal out of nothing? Well, he was making a big deal out of nothing, I think. Well, okay, let me start with this. What was was Durham engaging in gamesmanship? Yes, you know, loading these things up with information that wasn't necessary for the purpose of the motion. Yes, that's gamesmanship. That's putting that's putting material into the uh, public dialogue that otherwise would not be there. Um, and 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 so you know the judge was calling attention to the fact that you know that that information was not necessary to the purpose for which you filed this particular motion might be necessary in another motion it wasn't necessary for this motion so you know the admonition was in the future don't engage in that practice but you know the 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 problem with that is it's the prosecutor who makes the first judgment as to what's necessary or not necessary to include in his paperwork. Now, the judge only, you know, can respond to that. There's no real um, prophylactic way to slow down a prosecutor who's going to engage in that kind of activity. You know, the Mueller did it the same way. You know, I could, well, uh, I'll resist a comment on January 6th because I shouldn't. Um, but so, you know, I mean, the Department of Justice can introduce information into the public arena inappropriately in a variety of ways without fear of consequence. I thought it was pretty funny that the judge made a comment that literally he said, I know what you're doing. I was a prosecutor and I used to do it, too. Exactly. Kind of knock it off. <laughs> these these are not new games. 
But, but I, I, I think today's, like, what we take away from today is that Sussman hasn't removed Latham and Watkins as his lawyer. Um, even though that John Durham, like, has said, you maybe want to have a look at the uh, competing interests, and he still, like, doubles down on that he's going to keep Latham and Watkins as his lawyer, and I think that's quite telling. Yeah, I... I Cut I out a little bit there. If that was directed <laughs> to me, I couldn't understand the question. Yeah, sorry, Will. You you broke up pretty bad there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just saying that it's like Sussman, at the end of today, still retains Latham and Watkins. Like, he's not got rid of them. Yeah, I, yeah. Ship, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I mean... The conflicts motion, I mean, Sussman just kind of waived all the conflicts. Uh, I don't know if you had time to kind of read, read it with everything that, that's been going on. I mean, were there any conflicts that stood out to you if you did get a chance to read it? That No, maybe... no, and, and this is, yeah, I mean, this is kind of a, this is, this is a problem without a, a meaningful solution. Latham and Watkins is a huge firm. I mean, there's like 2,000 lawyers in that firm. They've got 50 offices all over the world. I mean, Sussman wants to have Latham and Watkins. He's, it's, it, it's just not a circumstance where, you know, you can tell a criminal defendant that you have to go pick a law firm that doesn't have anybody anywhere in the law firm that ever had anything to do with some other aspect that might be implicated in this case. You know, the, a defendant has the right to counsel of his choice. And if conflicts exist with that solution, then the remedy is to bring the defendant and the lawyers in the office and say, you know, here are the conflicts. Do you understand the possible consequences of those conflicts? And are you, you know, willing to waive the existence of the conflict? It's not really, uh, it's not something that a prosecutor, you know, can influence. You can only call attention to the existence to the court and, and because you know a defendant has a has a, a defendant has a constitutional right to zealous representation by counsel and and the implication is by counsel without any conflicts of interest so when it turns out that counsel does have a conflict of interest that doesn't mean you lose your lawyer it just means you have to acknowledge that you understand the conflict of interest and you waive any rights you might have as a result of its existence and then you go right right on with your existing lawyer. Uh, now, I think we all understand that, but it's the, it's the proximity of Latham and Watkins as uh, Sussman, who's a Perkins and Cooey lawyer, um, whereas the... Latham Watkins have also represented I, I I don't know there's like four other parts in what is possibly a conspiracy uh, indictment um, and so from what I saw today 
what I heard today. I'm like, mm, maybe he's, he's giving you the opportunity to withdraw yourself from the conspiracy because um, it, it, it's law firms. Like Perkins Coy uh, is a Sussman suspect. Mark Elias is uh, in there. And then you got to ask your questions about Latham Watkins and and all the various representations of the the DNC, the whatever. It, it's uh, I I I think when Durham like did this today, he's basically saying, "Well, you can carry on with these lawyers." Of your your Clinton lawyers, or you can take a plea deal. Uh, anyway, well, I think Durham's just getting on the record, right? I mean, if something actually does come up later on, and there's really a serious issue, then at least Durham brought it to the court's attention, and um, you know it's in the record. So, I think I think Durham's just covering the basis and and doing it by the playbook. Uh, Glenn, I, I see your speaker. Um, if you want to jump in, I don't know if you have a question or a comment, but go ahead. Hey, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for allowing me. Although the topic I was uh, going to ask or speak about uh, ran by pretty quick, right when I uh, joined in, it was the DNC server. So if you want me to yep. beg off of that and wait, I will. No, no, no absolutely. We can uh, we can definitely go back to the DNC server. I mean, that's kind of the that's the real bombshell of the day. So absolutely, if you want to go back to that, we can. <laughs> So, yeah, there's something that's always tugged at me, and and you battle it back and forth as you hear different comments from different people online and the great research that everybody's doing in the the server itself, the the actual server, the DNS server that was uh, supposedly hacked or wherever, you know, that actual machine that the information came from, as opposed to a uh, these AWS servers or or X extraneous servers, other servers that were imaged and the images were given or logs. And that's what the FBI looked at and then accepted the interpretations of those from CrowdStrike because they'd used CrowdStrike before. And I get all that and I get what people are saying, but doesn't the whole argument become a moot point when you look at the testimony from Henry inside Hipsy under oath when he, when someone, I can't even remember who it was that nails him down and, and pressed him hard enough, which normally doesn't happen, but in this situation it did, kept pressing him hard enough that he finally had to say, no, we have no evidence and we've seen no evidence that there was any exfiltration from the server. There is, however, evidence that it was being prepared to be exfiltrated or it was able to be exfiltrated, but the actual exfiltration of information never took place. So doesn't that quash everything else after that about whether the FBI got to see the actual server or was it images or was it interpreted logs? I just, I'm just trying to wrap my head around that testimony. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've talked about this a few times uh, in, a, in a few different chats and there are, there are a lot of, questions and issues with the narrative that we still have and the exfiltration did occur three or four weeks after CrowdStrike was 
was contracted. And immediately when CrowdStrike got on site, apparently they plugged on their Falcon product uh, that's like a sensor, and it immediately detected the Russians active in the network. So you think, well, okay, why don't they like remediate it? And the story that we have is, well, they wanted to kind of do all their analysis and try to detect and pin down exactly who it was uh, so that they could stop it, which, you know, if you're in the middle of a political campaign, I don't know if I necessarily buy that. But also to the point that you raised, there was actually indications in late April that data was being staged for exfiltration. And that, that made a lot of noise, apparently. That's the way, that's the terminology that uh, Yared Tamin, I believe, used. It made a lot of noise, and that's what alerted them that this hack was underway. So if you, you think about hackers, right, and they make a lot of noise, they're not going to wait. They're not going to go quiet for a few weeks while uh, they kind of wait and see if they get caught or not. They're going to get everything that they can. And the stories that we have out there of, uh, what these hackers were searching for. They're looking for oppo research. They were looking for this and that. And none of that ever got dumped. And if you were an ally, if you were Russian trying to influence the election and you're trying to help out Trump, you want to dump that oppo research immediately. You want to dump that as soon as possible. And, uh, and that way it kind of like, you know, kills the story ahead of time in, instead of peak election season. And, and the information that it got is, is in my opinion, pretty innocuous that, that was actually released to WikiLeaks. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if the Russians actually hacked the DNC and maybe the exfiltration's a false flag. I don't know if all of it's legit and everybody's just reading into it too much. I certainly have a lot of questions and, and issues. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, to the point now that we're getting, um, you know, CrowdStrike and the FBI were, were one piece of it, but apparently Manos and others were doing analysis. And that analysis, you know, maybe might be a part of the prosecutions of 12 people. And you have to kind of ask the question, where did this data come from? If Manos and these others of the Enhanced Attribution Program are going to attribute this to 12 people and accuse them publicly and endanger their lives, where did the data come from? Did they get it from right. the government? Did they get it from the DNC? Did they get it from Sussman, CrowdStrike? And... and that's really like what I was hoping to see today and what I hope to see grow out of this is people start asking questions and we need more than John Durham kind of looking into this. This would be great for uh, to bring in, you know, 40 or 50 witnesses or start, you know, sending out congressional subpoenas and, and start looking at like who had what and who knew what. And um yeah, so, I, I mean, like I said, we've talked about this a lot. I, I don't know if I have a new take on it, but, um, yeah, it's a good question and, and there, certainly something we're, we're still looking for. There, there was an interesting side story going on right at the same time all of this was happening, and, and CrowdStrike was being held up as this on a pedestal, as this really unbelievable security, software security firm, and, uh, you know, to prevent hacking and to detect hacking, and it was on and on about how amazing CrowdStrike was, right? And at that time, uh, CrowdStrike had been doing some uh, work for Ukraine, of all people. You know, here they are in the news again, um, attributing some cell phone data and using some software to determine the movement of artillery, Russian artillery along the border. And they were showing how they had shown that uh, the Russians, their troop movements and their artillery movements, and through this unbelievable uh, software uh, that they had obtained and used and 
collected the data and analyzed it and came up with a report that this is what the Russians are doing. Now we can tell that they're um, being aggressive and they're getting ready to attack. And it gave the exact, uh, you know, political speaking points that John McCain needed, that the Ukrainians needed, that the warmongers needed. It was really, it was really something. And that was all going on while they were also being attributed with, with how great they were at uh, determining that uh, Russia had hacked the DNC. Well, after the election was over, <laughs> CrowdStrike had to come out and do a complete mea culpa about this uh, cell phone attribution software that they had used, that it was farcical. It was a complete, the whole thing was completely false and that they had made a huge mistake. They used it the wrong way. There was nothing to do with anything about Ukrainian armament or movements. And I just thought it was interesting that they sat on that and, you know, didn't release that prior to the election. You know, they waited till, you know, till afterwards to tell everybody, hey, we're not that great after all. We do make mistakes. And oh, by the way, our mistake was about saying how bad Russians are. Yeah. And, and I haven't necessarily looked at that in a while. I don't remember if it was a, I don't remember it being a cell phone attribution thing. There, there was something related to the artillery systems in Ukraine that they were saying, and this was Al Perovich on TV, and there's plenty of interviews of this, where he was saying like it was like using the same code or using the same sources of methods at the, as the people that hacked the DNC. And it's really ridiculous, and, and it really never stood up really well. Um, but like that was what he was using to kind of pin it on Russia. And it's really the only time in history where uh, a victim, in this case the DNC, uh, who was anonymously... anonymously anonymously attacked uh got to basically choose who who attacked them and they got to hire everybody and basically they got dependent on every on on russia without the government really being involved the the government really didn't start getting data until right around the time or, or just after the dnc was pushing this out into the press and that's one of the more amazing pieces of this is the the geopolitical implications of attributing this to Russia was pretty much left up to the DNC and CrowdStrike because they went out and pushed this report out there and the immediate reporting and kickbacks on like that June 14th initial articles was like the government actually isn't all that sure about this and then immediately within a couple days it was like yeah uh, government actually is pretty sure about this and and that was really you know there are some pieces and there's some examples out there if anybody wants to pull them up and do a couple Twitter threads on it because uh, it's really weird. It doesn't sit well with me, but again, like I'm not saying everything's a false flag and everything's wrong. I'm just saying, you know, six years later, I'm still not satisfied. I still need someone to prove to me it was the Russians. Yeah. It's like a bank holding the FBI outside the building and saying, Hey, we're doing our own investigation on that robbery that just happened. And we've got our own team. Uh, We'll give you all the info in a little while. Oh, Hey, it turns out it was our competitor down the street they robbed us you know let me bring up one point okay so either way you answer this question has problems did the fbi know that georgia tech is conducting some sort of parallel investigation because if they did know james comey's up in front of congress this never comes up he never brings this up as far as we know we've never heard of it if they didn't know why does the fbi not know that georgia tech is conducting an investigation on russia hacking into the dnc well, I think, and the, like, 
So if you read some of the emails, I don't know if we actually released these or, or where they are, but the Department of Defense tasked Manos and this group to, to look at these hacks. And you start thinking about that when they, they, when they did that. You know, I can't, I don't want to speculate too much, but it's like there's certain people in the intelligence community that are going to be responsible for accumulating all the different pieces of information that they have. And did they know this? Did they start doing this when they uh, compiled the, the ICA report? That might be, that might be pretty interesting. If, if they were looking at that with the ICA and then, you know, somebody there, like that's where the crossover might be to your point. Like, did the FBI know what the department of defense was doing? Well, I, I don't know about that, but somebody is going to, is going to be pulling information from both of those pieces by the time the ICA is being re- compiled. I mean, this is a counterintelligence case as much as anything in the FBI should have, I mean, okay, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing half the time in government, but this was supposed, you know, this was a big deal. This was all hands on deck situation. Apparently it was, you know, the greatest uh, international incident of the last 50 years or whatever, you know, however they want to describe it. I just, I'd like to know the answer to that question. What do the FBI know and when do they know it? Or maybe they didn't know anything. And that's interesting too. Yeah. I mean, to your point, I mean, they're, they're doing this huge counterintelligence investigation. They're going down, uh, you know, Russia gay, they're running down, you know, Mueller's kicking off. So if somebody didn't know, that's almost just as interesting because if the Department of Defense has all this information and they're just withholding it, that doesn't sound right. So, um, yeah, it, it, it obviously raises a lot of questions as you're, as you're pointing out. Well, the FBI always falls back to the same thing that, hey, we told the DNC, we came to them. They just didn't want any help from us in the spring of 16. And then even earlier than that, they, they list the number of times that they went to the DNC and notified them that, Hey, you've got some issues. Some stuff's happening. Do you want us to come in? Right. That's always their excuse. Oh. And then after that, we just went away and didn't look at it anymore. Yeah. And and there's, you know, there's stories about the DNC doing upgrades to their firewall. And apparently they did some type of patch like a week or two before they were hacked. So, um, doesn't speak well to their, their cybersecurity firms and contractors and, you know, Fool Nelson, I see you're here. I don't know if you want to jump and start speaking. I, I wanted to kind of ask you or at least talk about kind of, we're talking about the DNC uh, servers and kind of talking about the emails from Margo and, and everything. I, I know we have the email uh, that references Hal Martin. I don't know if you want to kind of talk about that. That might be a little bit interesting, but or just your reaction in general, anything you want to talk about. That's all right. Come back to you, fool. I'm busy. Let's see. Anybody else have anything? Or I say I might take a few questions if anybody wants to request to speak. Sure, real quick. Do we know for a fact that it was DARPA that? had Georgia Tech doing this invest that they tasked them to do this? Yes. Um, so Manos points this out in his email and he says very clearly, like, 
I don't know anything. He says something to the effect of, well, I told the Philippus, like, if you want to know the answer to that, you got to ask the director of DARPA, right? Because that was, I think that, I think Margo shared that today where, um, you know, he's going into this long rant of what he sent into G Georgia tech people. And somewhere in that, in the body of that email, he says, well, to Philippus asked me this about whether it's appropriate for the department of defense and DARPA to task him to look into the Guccifer stuff. And he was like, well, uh, that's really a, a question for the director of DARPA or whatever. So, yeah, it, it was them that tasked him, apparently, according it's, to Manos, at least, my, my right. interpretation. Well, that's the other thing is, according to, to Manos, who had, you know, he has a definite priority to make it seem you know, DARPA telling him to do that is one thing. If it came from somewhere else and if it was Sussman or Jaffe or somebody else, I'm just throwing it out there that kind of initiated this thing and said, Hey, here's some, here's our stuff. Can you take a look at it for us? It'd be really easy to fall back and go, well, I work for DARPA and they would have wanted me to look at this. You know, he was pretty slippery about that kind of, Oh, we're, we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing, even though he wasn't. So, uh, you know, that's something that maybe needs to be nailed down just a little bit. Well, I think we have a, a ton of emails where people go to uh, Manos and Carol Minus, I think too, where, they're asking, they're, they're making requests. And we saw this with CenturyLink and a few others where uh, Manos takes that back to DARPA and he's like, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Should I look into this? Should I, should I do this work or not? So it looks like they were in really close consultation with DARPA. And, and based on the, the emails that I see, they didn't actually do anything unless DARPA kind of agreed. So it would be interesting if, if Joffe and Sussman kind of reached out and just kind of sent them the data and then he got the, the okay from DARPA. That, that's certainly a possibility. They definitely did the Alpha Bank thing without the okay from DARPA, I, I, as far as I have seen. Yeah. I mean, what are the odds, right? I mean, there's a few people that are kind of downplaying this story. And, and again, I'm not saying, like, there's definitely stuff, more stuff to the DNC hack related to, to Monos or whatever, but what are the odds that Sussman is the, the contact point that is interfacing with the FBI, interfacing with CrowdStrike on behalf of the DNC. And he's closely connected to Joffe. They're obviously working with uh, Manos and, and Dagan on the Alpha Bank stuff. What are the odds that Sussman also knows the guy that's ultimately going to play a, a key role in attributing the DNC hacks? Like that is a really small world. Fool Nelson, are you there? What's up, man? Am I here? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. I couldn't unmute. It's ridiculous. All right. So, what was your question again? I had something to say, but then I got flustered because I couldn't freaking unmute this freaking thing. Yeah. I kind of kept <laughs> this open. So, I don't know if you have any reaction to, to what Margo shared or, or um, anything well, you yeah, want to expand uh, on on what you shared today? Or Well, yeah. So... I mean, I wasn't surprised by that. I mean, she sent us that uh, that image last night, and I was like, oh, okay, here we go. That uh, DARPA basically enlisted Manos and the G-Tech uh, enhanced attribution guys to look at the the data. I mean, I'm sure you guys have already reviewed all of it, but <clears throat> my question, I don't know, my question is when when did they do it? When did DARPA enlist them? Because it's not really clear in that email. Um, I know some people have been... Uh, kind of going to the indictment and saying that it kind of implying that it might've been in 2016, but it's not 
clear yet when they did that, um, which I don't know if it would make any difference if it was before they were actually on the contract or not. But um, I, I mean, I doubted. I don't. Well, I mean, it kind of depends on what data. I would imagine what they were getting. But I mean, they're still getting executive office of the president data. So, but that's my main interest of that. Uh, anything forward? I mean, there's no evidence yet that that I guess Jaffe was involved in that um, <clears throat> little operation there, that attribution project. But I'm sure he was. I mean, that's that's kind of where I think where it's going next. Like, what was Sussman's role potentially in 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 uh in giving up the data and stuff like that but um you said something about how martin uh i mean my only comment about that is that um just in relation to Mueller, i guess that there's definitely precedents for manos being in direct contact with doj people that were prosecuting manos and at walk of fire had that uh, some of those images from the docket some of those filings about um, the information there, there would have to give up through discovery was, was like, uh, I forgot the words exactly for it, but it was uh, interesting or something like that, or, or new and, and complicated to how they can give it up, which means it was, it was probably like private data that they're getting, you know, and then can they give that up in discovery, et cetera. But, um, um, but going back to that, uh, it's interesting because, I mean, I saw somebody had like a Marcy tweet up there. And Marcy obviously went to uh, Mueller, I guess, or the DOJ at least, to give some information about somebody th- she thought was involved with the DNC hack, Goosefer 2.0, etc. But also with um, the Shadow Brokers. And that's what kind of made her go to the to the... Mueller team or to the DOJ in the first place is because after WannaCry came out, she said she thought she had to go over there, which which she said she met with. She didn't meet with Mueller. She met with with a with a lawyer in the in the National Security Division and some FBI agents investigating cybercrime. And uh, I'm I'm wondering because they say like the case number two in that Hal Martin story or in that Hal Martin email between Manos and the guys prosecuting him, it says case number two. And I don't know what case number one is, but I'm wondering if it, if it's potentially goose for two, but, uh, and I'm also wondering if Marcy went to that David Aaron in, in the national security division who was prosecuting Hal Martin, if they sent her, since she was, she was like worried about shadow brokers and goose for two. Cause she thought this guy might've been involved in both. So I'm wondering if they sent her to these, these Hal Martin prosecutors or, she also kind of insinuated it could have been this uh, uh, Ryan Dickey who became, once they started investigating, I think Jeannie Ree, like in 2018, started one investigating the, the, the hack and uh, attribute it to the, the GRU agents and eventually indict him. So I'm not sure if she went to him or to Aaron. I could probably ask her, but um, she, it seems like she kind of has like some insight. She's kind of freaking out about the insight into to who was working on, on that attribution. So um, I'm interested to see who she met with because, I mean, I got on Truth for like a little bit. But me and Walk of Fire have been looking at this. She's also like said there's this this uh, forensic tie between the Shadow Brokers and and uh, Goose for Two. So that's why she went to went to the FBI because she wanted to talk about Goose for Two and the Shadow Brokers. So I'm wondering if she went to the Hal Martin team. Uh, 
And that could, I mean, they could not be connected at all. But that was her theory. Um, but otherwise, uh, it was a pretty cool little email that popped up yesterday, which basically, like you're probably saying, I don't, I don't know what you guys have been saying already, it doesn't mean anything. Like, I have no problem with DARPA sharing with Georgia Tech. It just, per, perception-wise, it's like, oh, these guys were given, you know, the Trump, uh, the alpha, alpha uh, data, DNS data. Um, he reviewed that, and then he gets on on this attribution project and Jaffe probably was involved because I know Jaffe was emailing, emailing back and forth with, with Angelos, Kerry Midas and uh, Manos. So I think he has something to do with it. I'd be shocked if he didn't uh, have something to do with this, but you never know. Um, yeah. Those are my thoughts. Uh, I also wanted to ask Ship. I, I, I one of Gucci too. Henry wanted to ask, like, wh- why D. D- Philipp- Philippus might be asking you those questions. I'm sure he's probably already went over it, but I missed the first half because I was playing basketball. Sorry. Asking which questions? Oh, cool. like we just, did. We did kind of go through. Yeah. That. So I mean, like, just why would? Uh, I, I mean, I would have to read the statement again. But why, as an investigator? would he ask those questions maybe if he wasn't investigating them or something like that? I would have to pull up Gucci to Henry's questions. Um, but I, I, I figure it's just normal for, for, uh, for, uh, investigators just to ask them anything that's related, but don't know. I guess ships right there. Are I you, could ask are you him. talking about the emails? Yeah. I'm talking about the emails or I'm, I'm okay. yeah, I'm just wondering why if, if, if um, I guess the hack wasn't in their purview, why would he even ask about it? Or if they weren't even curious about it, you know, why would he even ask about it as an investigator? Yeah, it sounds like Durham's got something, right? I mean, if Durham was satisfied with all the conclusions, but it it's, it also co- doesn't seem like he would. You also see, like Marcy was complaining about um, that that is she is Margot concerned that. D. Philippus was asking Manos about that, and, and I mean it could be just normal. I don't know. I've never been been uh, interviewed by a by a FBI agent or or prosecutor, so it could just I mean just asking random questions just to see what's going on. But I would have to ask a prosecutor, and there's one right there. But I don't know if Ship's still weighing in on anything. Hi, Ship. No, he's not there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you obviously had a, a lot of good points there, and, and I'll, I I'll did? definitely turn it back to ship here. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Of course, you, you always have good points. Awesome. I, uh, I had kind of the same point earlier, right, about um, when Manos would have been involved in this. And, and to, to the point that you made, I, I think I kind of made the same point earlier. We don't know that it was actually in 2016 that Manos was was involved in this we have we have some documentation uh from april 2018 so definitely by then they had already done the analysis but um obviously there there's a two-year gap in there um and it's just hard to just can't pan it down based on what we know right now but i'm sure we'll uh we'll keep digging and, and i think it is really interesting and we talked about this earlier too i mean these emails that we have, like the, the initial ones, and maybe we haven't shared them, are from like June 2020. They're referencing uh, 
questions from the special counsel going back months at that point. And you think about what uh, these, group, these guys have shared. Like, they did go to the New York Times, and they did talk about their roles in the Alpha Bank stuff. Uh, but Manos was much more concerned about being tied to the attribution piece. And yet, for the last two years, they have not leaked that. They have not put that out there. Maybe because they didn't feel like there was any type of spin that could be put on it, but um, you know they're they're definitely not they're either not trying to get in front of anything anymore, or um, they didn't feel like they could even get the the right amount of spin from the New York Times to to kind of put their take out there, I guess. Or they're just worried about their technology being out there or something. But I mean. <clears throat> As long as they don't have access to what their technology is, whatever machine learning crap they're doing, maybe I don't think it's that big of a deal. But, yeah, they could be worried about how good that technology is or not. But I have no idea. Hey, Shift, you unmuted. What's up? No, I just, uh, I was listening. I'm, I'm kind of working and listening at the same time. And I, you asked me a question, but I'm not sure what the question was. Oh, it's basically like, I mean, obviously you saw the email. Why would, say DeFilippis, he just asked that question, why would, would DARP, DARPA provide you guys that those, uh, the data, or task you to do that attribution? Like, why would DeFilippis even ask that question? Like, is that, I'm, I mean, I'm assuming that's just normal that, that an investigator would, would, I mean, he got a batch of emails probably of, of, of Mono, so you'd probably see like what's going on here. So I don't even see it as anything that they might not even be really investigating the hack really. But I mean, is that just normal prosecutor stuff? Well, you know, it's hard to know the context in which that question was posed. And, and as, right. I think as, as, as uh, Manos characterized it in the email, it was along the lines of, you know, did you think it was normal or did you think it was proper or something like that. I can't remember the exact words for for the Department of Defense to ask you to do that. wasn't Wasn't that the characterization, General? Right, right, right. Basically, okay, and, and and so which I can't, I can't, I don't think Manos is the greatest at probably relaying a conversation between him and a prosecutor. But let's say sure, that's what happened. Sure, that you know he that's that's his characterization as he came out of the room, probably shaken by the questioning. You know, uh, you know, because sometimes you know you start these kinds of interviews and. The prosecutor knows that they've got some sharp questions to ask that catch the subject completely by surprise and then put the subject on their heels. You know, that's always that's kind of what you're aiming for a little bit, to, you know, to, to catch the subject off guard and, you know, get uh, an unguarded answer before they realize, you know, what they've just provided. So kind of it doesn't sound to me like that's the kind of question that is part of a long string string of questions on a particular topic it's like uh, you know it, it would have to come in the context of well well what work were you doing for darpa that was just sort of in the ordinary course and then this request kind of comes out of left field you know what you're doing for darpa doesn't have anything to do with guccifer and then you're asked to to you know try to identify who guccifer is that you know doesn't isn't that why did i guess my my characterization about prosecutors why didn't you think that was kind of unusual it, it, you know the uh, georgia tech's working under some kind of contract 
and and this seems to be outside the bounds of that contract. Is it the general practice just to do whatever you're asked, whether it's related to the contract or not? And and you didn't have any no sort of flag went up that maybe you shouldn't respond to this request from DARPA. You know, that's kind of the it, it just in you know speculating about the nature of how that kind of question might be posed in that manner uh, might come about and then maybe doesn't go any further. You know, I, I, we don't know what Monos' answer was. Maybe they, maybe they didn't do anything. Maybe they were asked but didn't do anything. Yeah. My thought uh, is, like, the director of DARPA didn't call up Manos and say, hey, we need you to do this. So who in DARPA told you to do this? Because there's all these incestuous, you know, relationships between DARPA and Georgia Tech and Jaffe and his guys. Um, you, Kira Midas went and worked for Georgia Tech after DARPA. So who did this and where were, you know, maybe this was something that the, the prosecutors know that they're building it, this chain of, you know, where this, the impulse to do this came from. And maybe it wasn't, you know, the, the chiefs at DARPA, DARPA that pushed this down. Maybe it came from somewhere else. But I also don't think it's that. I thought that was sort of part of what the project was. Yeah. To uh, me, <clears throat> question to all of y'all: Doesn't the the question itself and the way it's phrased uh, give us a, a a hint, rather strong hint, that this didn't happen as Guccifer was on the front pages doing his thing in helping to hack the DNC? This is after the fact, it sounds like. After the DARPA contract is in force, beginning November 2016, and some t- or sometimes after that, at, at a time when Georgia Tech is answering to DARPA as to what to look at. Yeah, I, yeah that probably makes sense. I also like that, um, I don't know if anybody like kind of picked up on this, but that Obviously, Goosefer 2 was mainly on, on Twitter. <clears throat> and uh, pretty much like all of the indictment, a, a lot of the indictment is like Goosefer 2.0's like Twitter activity. Um, and obviously, they would have to get the data from, from Twitter. And, and obviously, Sussman and, and Latham and Watkins were working for, were, had Twitter as their clients at some point, right? So I don't know if that makes any difference or anything, but. Don't brag about right. your crimes on Twitter. Is that good legal advice? Uh, and don't, sounds good. And don't, and, and, and don't pay the guys that you're hiring to execute a fake hate crime on you with a check. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Juicy. Well, hey, Ryan, I wanted to just throw one thought in there on the mono stuff with, with regard to DARPA is if, if we presume that as part of that investigation, some fingerprints of a targeted attack or an exfiltration attempt were discovered by DARPA, it wouldn't be at all inappropriate in, in my mindset for them to pass that along to some of the researchers to say, hey, this seems to be a novel exfiltration uh, technique, or this seems to be a novel attack technique. Are you seeing this elsewhere feed this into your attribution engine and see if that's that's that fingerprint is elsewhere across your span of monitoring. So I don't I don't see that as 
that out of the pale. What I find interesting is Manos is sort of, you know, clearly his response in that email is, is incredulous. Why would you even think to ask me of such a thing? Go ask the DARPA guy, you know, is kind of the, the, the walk away I got from that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that's fair. I mean, we try to be cautious. Um, you know, it is, you know, kind of as we, I think we said a couple times, I mean, it's really, really weird to see the same guy involved with the alpha stuff and then have any role with the DNC hack. Uh, maybe it's completely legit, and, and I'm certainly not accusing him of doing anything wrong, but, um, you know, there is something, like, he, he's really worried about being tied to the DNC hack. And if it was completely legit, I would kind of wonder, like, why weren't you more worried about being tied to Alpha stuff? Because that's... I don't know if I've even put this email out yet or not, but he was really, really concerned about how he was going to be protected once people found out he was tied to the attribution. And and he really wasn't concerned at all, apparently, about being tied to the the fake alpha communication server so you know if he did everything by the book and you know his role is pretty limited you know i don't i don't know i mean maybe maybe i can understand why you'd be concerned but um you know sort of rambling there i guess i don't don't really have a strong point to make other than um it is a good point we can be cautious about what we say and and you know attribute to manos and his intentions and, and his actions. But um, even if, you know, even if he did everything by the book in, in his mind and, and by the book, you know, what if he didn't get the good data, right? What if uh, somebody gave him bad data that was already corrupted and then he did attribution analysis on it and he did his analysis correctly, but the source information was wrong going in. I mean, there's so many open questions right now and, we need to know the timing, the dates of when he got involved, and we need to know where that data came from and any communications that he was having with, you know, Sussman or Joffe uh, for the for the entire duration of his analysis, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. I always also like to throw the little thinking bubble up every time the DNC quote-unquote hat comes up. And, and sort of ask the question is, is, is there anything in the public domain that's, that's trustworthy that causes us to really believe that that was an actual third party infiltration, exfiltration, traditional quote unquote hack? Because I've always suspected that it was potentially just data exfiltrated from a live backup, um, which is what really happened to Hillary the first time around when she had her stuff going. So if we just assume the fact that the emails were published meant they were quote hacked by a third party nation state. I think that's a leap that I've yet to see anything in the public domain that I, that I trust that, that substantiates that, but that might be a a squirrel trail. We don't need to run down tonight. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. I've not really considered like a backup being involved, but you have more of the the technical skills. So anytime you, you want to share your thoughts on that, I mean, I'd love to hear more about what you think, um, as it relates to the DNC hack, I, I certainly have a few theories I've been, been tossing around as it relates to the DNC hack. And I'm, I've put, put this out earlier. I mean, I'm sort of fed up with people that uh, hear false flag operation and they, and they post Seth Rich. And they keep saying Seth Rich. And 
It's like this has been run down for six years now. There's no evidence that's been developed. There's no information. There's really no reason that they would ever have needed Seth. If they wanted to do a false flag operation, all they really need is like an unmonitored computer, something that is not going to be monitored by CrowdStrike, and then they can, you know, pretty much exfil anything. I mean, especially uh, if there's like contractors and people involved with administrative access ostensibly to like analyze this hack that's going on, you know, that's easy enough. They just copy it over to a thumb drive or whatever, or, you know, I don't know, have the technical knowledge, but as long as it's not monitored by CrowdStrike and they're going to know that obviously, um, you know, there's a lot of different methods and they don't need a, you know, Seth rich out there. They, they can take care of it themselves, but yeah, I totally, I I totally agree that attributing it to that young man, is is really out out there out out on a pretty far limb. Although there is a lot of people that are really invested in that theory, um, but the reality is is it you know it could have been a remote backup or it could have been an on-site backup. It you know could have been an insider, could have been whatever. Um, but I suspect that they were doing remote backups as part of a standard disaster recovery technology architecture, and that was hacked or intercepted in some way. Um, but I, and, and, and so any of the CrowdStrike stuff that's coming back and saying, well, they, there was evidence of uh, whatever fancy, cozy, whatever bear, bear stuff on their network. Well, yeah, that's probably true because, <laughs> well, those guys are everywhere um, in reality, but that doesn't mean they're the ones that released it and pushed it out through WikiLeaks. It could have been all sorts of other actors um, that CrowdStrike would have been able to confuse. Now, again, we're, we're way, way afield of what I thought was the topic tonight, so I don't mean to get a sidetrack, but I think there's when, when we start talking about the Manos connection, it could have easily been DARPA coming back and saying, hey, but by the way, tell me, tell me what you see about this. Is this really valid? Because you know, we're not seeing this. Because nobody's really fully explained that DNC hack. I, I don't think there's anything that's in the public domain that really is trustworthy. I think that's a great point. I, I think you made a lot of great points there. I, I hope you'll you'll speak a little bit more in future chats. I mean, that's it's good to hear from you. You have the technical knowledge, and and uh, definitely that's a, that's a big help to us. And I'll make a note of that backup. I think that's really interesting. I'll, I'll try to keep that in mind as I start foying more documents and hopefully getting more documents. So. On that okay. point, from Matt, there's actually like no evidence that anybody that that the Russians transferred the emails or DNC emails or Podesta emails to, to Assange. Like there's that July, whatever, Guccifer two sent, uh, whatever, how many gigs, two gigs or whatever to, to WikiLeaks, but the batch was way more. So it's like, there's something going on there where there's not real good evidence that, that the Russians actually, I mean, even Mueller talks about it, that they could have used an intermediary to give it to WikiLeaks. So, which is odd. Yes, it is. Max, I don't know if you want to jump in. Uh, go ahead. Uh, just a question. Uh, uh, you, you guys probably went over this years ago. I just, I remember uh, it just kind of dawned on me uh, the article I recently saw. I remember seeing it before, but never diving into it. So, are are, are we? Are you guys 
suspecting that the whole uh, reports of uh, the Humpty Dumpty uh, hacker group uh, is is not related, really. Is that where oh, I don't know if you you saw the some of the kind of uh, uh, articles regarding this outside of the mainstream, obviously, but. That's a great question. It? Yeah, I I have not looked at that in a while. I I feel like we we definitely had that thought. We definitely were curious about it, but I think there was something that um we looked at that we felt like distinguished it and it was a little bit of something else. And fool, I don't know if you're you're a lot better on on that kind of stuff. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, um Obviously, Humpty Dumpty released a lot of stuff and supposedly were working for the FSB with Mikhailov and all those dudes. To me, like, um, it's not clear, like, that DC Leaks and all those and Goosefer 2 are the same entity. But uh, I know, like, Humpty Dumpty and, and Cyberpercoot and, and people like that, groups like that, had the similar, like, hacked emails as, like, DC Leaks had. Um, I can't say if they're involved with any of that stuff, but they publish similar, similar uh, hacks. I think, like, I mean, Cyberbercoot had, I think, the exact same email as 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 uh, DC Leak published, and um, obviously, I think that Humpty Dumpty might be on the other side of Cyberbercoot, but I think they still published. Uh, um, oh, now I can't remember. I don't know if it was some Soros stuff or. Well, something. Yeah, George, uh, George uh, is attributing uh, Humpty Dumpty to uh, uh, Irina. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think Irina Shevchenko, which is yeah, yeah. supposedly uh, Ukrainian. Uh, 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 yeah, I read that article, and I'm like, I, what, what, how are you making this claim that that uh, that she is goose for two or whatever? It, there wasn't like not I didn't see like much connective tissue in between that, but he tried to make that claim in his article, but didn't really get it. I mean, the only link I see is they've published similar material to like DC leaks and uh, things like that. I mean, there's some other stuff like that. The thing is, like they were hacking a lot of like uh, Russians, like Russian. And I, I mean, a lot of them weren't even like hackers. They were hired or they were publishing hack material, you know. They were basically like Russian WikiLeaks and, and uh, they were publishing uh, emails from like Arkady Dvorkovich or whoever. But uh, there's some crossover there like with Mikhailov who, who supposedly might be some of the source of some of the intelligence that went into the, the GRU indictment. But that's all speculative. Let me throw something out. Somebody, one of you guys, or somebody in this corner, uh, suggested that Hal Martin was good for Guzifer too. Did you see that today? Yeah. I mean, like, I've done, like, I mean, that's, like, I mean, we'd have to, it, it's very interesting, like, the crossover of what Hal said in some of his, like, uh, in his in his, uh, I don't even know what you call it, like his confession <laughs> in court. Uh, 
And then, like, there's this, like, crossover between uh, Shadowbrokers, Hal Martin, and Goose for Two that's really weird. And just his, like, language and basic stuff. I don't know if, like, Walk Fire wanted us to throw out this. But we, like, been talking about this for a long time. Uh, yeah, did ha- did Hal basic Did Hal basically, like, in his... He would he would he used like code basically in his in his uh, I don't even know what you call that in in court a stream of consciousness uh, confession yeah 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 he's basically like I'm a I'm a APT apt people <laughs> yeah. he's well, going after you know now, and uh, now, and he's put, like a, uh, what do you say like a top predator or whatever now, but put those thoughts side by side with what we found out from Margot today. In that email from my yeah, life. well yeah, is, 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 does is that a connection? Do you have evidence here that it wasn't the DNC hack that Manos was looking at when he was looking at Guccifer, but he's looking at Martin. I don't. Well, I think it would be that. Okay, so like, I mean, this is like sort of off topic, but like during that time period of the Hal Martin case um it's basically related to shadow brokers like so basically like in august august 2016 like on august 12th goose for 2.0 is like kicked off of twitter suspended from twitter he comes back later then august 13th um shadow brokers pops up on twitter and starts dumping all the all the the tao tao tools and then that night hal martin starts like dming kaspersky like I'm gonna talk to Nikulin or some or no Yevgeny. No, no, I'm I'm and, going to, I'm I'm going yeah, to I know yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. Uh, all right. <laughs> so so that night he starts DMing Kaspersky and uh and basically is saying like I wanna talk to Yevgeny, et cetera, or whatever. And then that goes uh back into basically into two thousand seventeen. Um, and these like and Goose for 2.0 and Shadow Burgers keeps on or kept on getting tied together. Like you'll notice, like in January 12th, 2017, like both Shadow Burgers and, and Goose for 2.0 were dark for a while. And then all of a sudden, January 12th, 2017, they both come online to say like one thing on Twitter and then they go dark again. Goose for 2.0, dark forever. And then you come back like to what what we're talking about with uh, with the case when when uh, Manos is talking to them. Um, uh, Hal Martin, like right after that that time, Hal Martin and J- Shadowbrokers are linked. Like most people thought at that point that Shadowbrokers was Hal Martin or this other guy in in GF, uh, who had these. TAO tools on his computer, which they actually came off. There, you'll look at the Wall Street Journal. There's these articles about that Russian hackers gained access uh, that hacked this uh, ex NSA worker NGFA, and that's how that uh, these Russian hackers obtained these uh, uh, equation group tools. There's all these Wall Street Journal articles about it, and the the way they 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 were able to access that dude's computer is because. Like years before, Kaspersky was scanning that dude's computer, and they found the malware on there, the the tools, right? So, and then then uh, Kaspersky like wrote an article about it, like in 2015, and then fast forward to 2017, um, there's these articles popping out about that these Russian hackers got into into Fuzz computer, basically, and that's how they got the equation group tools. But we haven't heard anything after that so i think that's what the the link is there 
that well, these no, Russian. My, my possible link is in the uh, uh, after the arrest of Hal Martin and in his prosecution. Those lawyers were communicating with the Georgia Tech, Tech people, the prosecutors. Right, 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 right. But I think it's because that it's not. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's it's Hal Martin talking to these Russian hackers, no, but I think no, it's no, because they're, they're, they're they're developing evidence against Hal Martin. No, they're, yes, they're doing no, I know. their their thing in the Hal Martin right. case is part of no. that thing looking at Guccifer too. Right. No, yeah, well, that's what I'm trying to say. That that they, these articles started coming out that these Russian hackers got a hold of these tools. So I think like this this attribution thing uh project in relation to Hal, um, they're trying to attribute who the hell Shadowburgers was and at the same time Guccifer too. And I think there is like this forensic tie between the both of them. So you have to look at these articles like in 2017 because it's not I mean, yeah, there were these guys were working on Hal Martin, who clearly brought home some NSA stuff, but none of it. But the stuff Hal had weren't the tools that were released by shadow brokers, if that makes sense. So they're looking to see who the shadow brokers person was. And if you see the articles at that point, they thought it was some Russian hackers, which obviously Manos was looking into in relation okay. to Gooseford 2 so, and GRU. So. So the question one is, when Manos was looking at Guccifer 2, yeah, and the attribution of whatever Guccifer 2 did, was he working yeah. on the DNC hack case, or was he working on the Hal Martin case? That's what I'm trying to say, that it's, it could be both. Because it, he's clearly working, I mean, obviously Guccifer 2 is DNC hack-related, but they're also looking at this separate group. They're also trying to figure out who Shadow Brokers is, right? We still don't know who Shadow Brokers is. So the guy, and Hal Martin has this connection to Shadow Brokers of what right. I explained before. So Because obviously he's ex-NSA because he was a suspect for being the Shadow Brokers, so or at what, least what, working with them. What that means is the two, two cases intersect at exactly. least at Guccifer 2. I and, think so. And so... Raises a, raises an issue is did Manos come to the same conclusion that CrowdStrike did and Mueller? Uh, that that what? As to Christopher Two being a a stand-in for the Russians. I mean, they all. I think they all came to the same conclusion because I think Manos was involved in the in the attribution to the GRU twelve yes. officers. Yeah, in the DNC hack. What yeah. What did he find in? As far as Hal Martin was concerned. Well, we we don't know. Well, Hal Martin, he was never charged for for um, releasing the the Shadow Brokers tools, right? So somebody else is right. doing that. So that's still to be determined. Okay, and if you look at those articles in 2017, they're basically saying that some Russian hackers got a hold of these tools and then they were leaking them as shadow brokers. So that's where I think that's those guys weren't specifically. Um, well, I mean, they were investigating Hal Martin, but more they're investigating also the shadow brokers because those two are intertwined. Because because Hal Martin was a suspect for releasing the shadow brokers stuff. Maybe that's what he's nervous about. It could be. It could be. Because, I mean, 
that's uh i mean like that's what that's where uh i made like a truth today that that i've always looked at these interconnected things between goose for 2.0 and shadow brokers yeah and i'm pretty interested in that but i don't know if you guys were just listening to that it might have went over some of your guys's head but uh it's fun stuff we're just pulling strings right now yeah <laughs> basically <laughs> There's only two people, right? Ladies, man. We know that. There's only that? two people that know. Hal Martin, self-proclaimed ladies, man. Let's just make that clear. Oh. He's a hunk. Tell you what. There's only two people that know where that hack material came or or who turned that hack material over to WikiLeaks, right? The person did it, and then Assange and the people he worked with. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean they know who did the hack. They Assange knows where he got it from, right? And I don't think that Assange is, he hasn't said much, but I, I think he's only said one thing about it. And that was that it wasn't a state actor. It, it, am I right about that or wrong? I, I just seem to remember pulling that back. Yep. He made one Not comment. state parties. It was not a state party. And that That's was the only comment he's ever made about it. I would just caution, like, I am not convinced at all that Assange actually knows who gave him the data. I think it's entirely plausible that he got some anonymous anonymous communications, probably got some scuttlebutt that there were some emails out there. Um, obviously, uh, DC Leaks, I think, was active. Um, so they're were, they were contacting this person, I think, on Twitter. There were some messages between WikiLeaks and this person. Um, so I think it's entirely plausible that they just gave him like a secure portal and this person probably uploaded him securely and, and that... Assange probably doesn't have any clue who actually gave the files because if he did, he might have actually gave it up by now to trade for his his freedom. So, and and, and that may be right, and but you have to look at you know him as a person and what he's going through right now, and he says that he would never ever do that. But and then I look at the other stuff that he's dropped and and the things that he's done throughout his career, and I don't think anybody has ever contradicted any one thing that he's done, and he. he has either hint or outright said that he knows who, who gave it to him, right? So he'd have to actually be just out and out lying to everybody. And his previous history doesn't seem to go that way. But for something this big, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it was a secure portal and he doesn't know exactly you know, where it came from. I, I don't think he knows. I, I mean, he's, he's obviously very eccentric. And, I mean, he, he was, like, funding stuff to, like, push it on Seth Rich, which is just – horrendous for him to do to even inflame that at all yeah i know uh, you're right about that i think that's pretty disgusting on his part and and i admire the extent that he's you know unless he actually was I the think. source yeah i i don't think he is but <laughs> like i would be surprised i'd be very surprised that I, I don't ever close the door on anything but like with with no evidence emerging in the last six years i i i don't I hope it's not Seth Rich. I mean, that would be that'd be pretty crazy. Hey, Ryan, can I say something? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, guys, King and Ship, are you still there? Anyway, King, um, you're here. So um, I've just been putting these pieces together. I haven't read as much or have y'all been read in on this stuff but the dns cloud server um i'm wondering how long they've been operating 
um, because it sounds like the second hack to me that is suspect, maybe it wasn't a hack, maybe it was DNS cloud upload. And what the pieces that I'm putting together is it sort of like screen scraping or somehow everything gets swept up into the, that's on the internet um, into the DNS cloud so that they can review it later by whatever contract they have or agreement or um, search query or, you know, assistance that they can provide. I don't know if the government simultaneously goes in and looks at the same time or before or after or what all of that, how that is. I haven't, course got any background on any of that but um my question is the joffe companies the new store packet forensics dns cloud i mean they've been providing this ssl box certificate fake certificates ssl certificates for a while now the tor exit nodes were non-https meaning you know early 2000s before you had the https uh, security certificates and what they can do is bypass those certificates and get the internet to think that they're, you know, opening with a secure site, but they're actually opening a fake site. And that's how they screen scrape everything. So they're just getting copies of everything, saving it for later. And I'm, I'm trying to piece this stuff together. You're like, I may be way off, but um, these are just theories. And um, I'm just wondering, was the second hack just a DNS cloud upload that they found these attributions from, or that it doesn't matter when they started looking into this, they could have been asked to look at this well after the fact. Um, or they could have found it at the beginning, like that other guy just asked, what if they had noticed it and brought it to their attention? Or it could have been blackmail from the first hack back in January, I mean, excuse me, in um, what, summer of 15? March or summer of 15, I'm confused about the date on that July, March of 15. But I think that was really you know, an, a cyber incident. But, um, those are my questions um, just relating to the uh, issuance of those fake security uh, certificates, getting the data, who's looking at this? Is this like a Snowden type issue? Um, you know, it, I'm there. I have a lot of questions. And I guess my question was to King or Ship, if they would consider any of them. Uh, well, I, you're over my head on the technical aspects. So I, I do not know. Uh, those are good questions, though. Okay, thanks. Any, anybody else? Yeah, it sounded like there was kind of a few things mixed up there. Um, DNS is kind of like metadata. It's definitely, it's a small amount of data. It's not, you know, terabytes that you're taking off the DNC server or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I see that. Yeah, I'm not sure that I, I have much to add to that. Um, I think the, the forged certificates is, is interesting, but, you know, again, we don't necessarily have any information that we've developed that would tie that to Russiagate. Um, 
we always talk about their capabilities. Their capabilities are, are immense. It's really terrifying, the skill set and the access that this group has. But, um, you know, can't, can't say they definitely use a certain technique just because it's in their toolbox. So we'll, we'll wait and we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on it, though, for sure. All right. Anybody have anything else? Anybody have any questions? Go ahead and request to speak or um, any of our other speakers you want to jump in with any thoughts that you have? Go ahead. I, I'm kind of stuck on the, uh, the Humpty Dumpty because <laughs> uh, uh, some of the things you were talking about, the, you know, the timing, the 2017, the uh, Kaspersky tools, the uh, just, I don't know if you read the articles from, I think it's uh, the website that's called Intel Today uh, from 2017 about, there's multiple articles uh, related to the Humpty Dumpty group. And I think if I remember correctly, one of the uh, uh, charged uh, players, I guess, uh, was the inside man uh, in the FSB, and I do remember them talking about Kas Kas Kaspersky tools. Don't remember if they talked about the Fancy Bear. Uh, I think that's uh, George's article. I don't remember if the 2017 article had the Fancy Bear in there. And they, uh, th that same site also kind of links uh, Irina Shevchenko uh, as a girlfriend of one of the uh, guys being, uh, that got arrested. So just FYI. Well, I think like supposedly that uh, the FSB um, or the G, no, the GRU hacked, Fancy Bear hacked um, Humpty Dumpty. That's supposedly what happened. So they were kind of like in conflict, and obviously Humpty Dumpty supposedly was working for the FSB. But um, yeah, the girl who was supposedly like the the girlfriend of Vladimir Anakiev or the leader of Humpty Dumpty, um, I know she's supposedly still in Kiev. Who knows if she's still there now? But also, like some people are even like skeptical that she was even a hacker for them; that it was just fake news. So I have no idea. But some people uh, also think that that like that Humpty Dumpty was working with Chris Steele as well. I don't know how much evidence there is for that, but would be interesting. It's interesting because Humpty Dumpty published some of Olga Galkina's uh, correspondence with uh, Timur Prokopenko and the presidential administration. So there's kind of some tie-ins there between all of this, but in relation to the DNC hack, I don't know. I had a kind of off the wall question. Uh, does anybody think that we'll ever hear any more about Emron A1? No. Yeah, I, I sorry. I, I 
I'd have to uh, defer to fool on that, and uh, that was pretty concise. <laughs> I, I not not sure I'm familiar with it to be honest, but uh, yeah, I'd defer to fool on all all matters. So, Danielle, did you? Uh, Daniel, did you have anything? Uh, yeah. So I had a qu- question not really related to the uh, DNC part, but um more to crossfire with the investigation uh do we know what other FISA warrants and other surveillance methods were used entirely uh because i think we have the carter page and then there was the nsc letters um and the early investigation with the manafort stuff and i think they were considering a FISA warrant and then there was the for the dragon part of their investigation do we know if any of that stuff was like predicated on any of this steel information or if any of that could come back if they were looking at that and stuff in 2017 uh as like the deadlines near yeah everything's predicate everything is predicated on the steel dossier so um when they opened up crossfire hurricane they actually opened up four sub investigations now they actually already had like the car page one open that was actually open in april and they'd kind of talked to him for a for a few years, uh, Manafort, they actually had something on him a little bit. Uh, I think, I think it was like January. They were kind of interested in, in him. So there's always some allegations out there, but they never went anywhere until they got the steel dossier and the steel dossier perforated everything that, that, I mean, there's pieces in there and, and I kind of considered the black book and Manafort's case as uh, part of Steele's work. Now that hasn't been proven yet, but, it's like a fake black book ledger of all these supposed payments and stuff. So um, I, it is fabrication, and exactly who fabricated it is still, still up in the air. But um, So they took that fake ledger, and they used that piece of evidence to obtain warrants and, and basically ultimately prosecute Manafort. So that was a real problem. Um, uh, General Flynn. So, not a whole lot there to, to actually work with, but that was actually based on Stefan Halper and some allegations that apparently he made. And mostly, and this is part of why it's so ridiculous, it was basically all centered around the fact that General Flynn sat next to Vladimir Putin in December 2015, I believe at like a lunch or whatever. Like that was basically it. And that was enough to open an investigation on him. And then yeah, the stroke EC, that EC was ridiculously yeah. weak. It was so terrible. Yeah. So the other two, as we know, Carter Page, you know, just absolute garbage. Everything was a dossier there. Papadopoulos. I mean, they never actually, never really did all that much against them. Um, but who yeah, is the I, uh, target of uh, Dragon? Do, we, do you know? I. Uh, that's Flynn. That is. Oh, that, is that Flynn? was the Flynn one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, Dragon is like, Carter Page. Flynn was oh, okay. Razor. Oh, uh, all right. Flynn's Razor. Okay. That's right. Oh, yeah. Razor. Flynn was Razor. Yeah. Okay. Page had a five. I don't. According to Horowitz, that was the only FISA warrant they got. 
Yeah, because so Manafort had a had a criminal investigation open on him in January twelfth, twenty sixteen. Then Page had the CI investigation in April, and then that that was dragging, and then that got shifted over to Crossfire Hurricane. Um, in early August, and then they opened up the Manafort, um, Fury or whatever investigation. Man, if they, counterintelligence if they have, investigation to be on top of the criminal investigation. If they didn't have that Manafort stuff, like they wouldn't have had anything, like anything. Even though they didn't have anything to begin with, but either because you know they had the crimes he committed allegedly were the money stuff, but he re- that that really kind of, I guess, solidified it for them. Like that was their kind of you know basis to go off of. <laughs> Well, he shouldn't have been on the campaign. I don't understand how he didn't already have a counterintelligence investigation if they're investigating for that. that if he was in contact. Yeah, Jeff Carlson tweeted something today saying, how did Chalupa know in January of 2016 that Paul Manafort was going to be involved in the election? That's yeah, one of that the was, questions. Like, they were doing this research before he was even the chair, like on the campaign, like... I was reading like the the article on real real, uh, real clear investigations. There, this was all happening before he was even on the campaign. Exactly, that was my like. All right, maybe it's a wacky thought, but was Manafort sort of positioned or pushed somehow because they knew they had dirt on him from the Ukraine angles that they could get to him or they could use him to poison Trump? I mean, maybe they sort of someone on the inside of the Trump campaign or someone else managed to like just get him front and center and hire this guy. He's great. Well, it's weird because like, I don't even think that's like Roger Stone has been, was like a friend with him. I think like since like his childhood and then Tom Barrick, uh, um, Trump's like old friend, they both suggested him. So I don't even think it was that. I think they just knew that he was going to be on the campaign probably. Yeah, it just seemed early, but yeah. also don't don't listen to Dawson's theory that uh, Manafort and Chalupa were working together to take Trump down. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's not, what happened. I'm not into Dawson's. That's the Parm it's... Patriot. Oh my God, I'm bet Hunter it's Biden was in like on it too. Some, some regular stuff, uh, like the stuff that like I see from you guys, and then the next tweet's just the thread on. Oh my God, they were listening to the White House. <sighs> Farm Patriot, baby. Hunter Biden. He's the one we've been waiting for. He's going to save the day. Uh, maybe he does, right? I mean, I'd like to send Hunter Biden over there right now, and maybe he steps up like the, the guy in Independence Day, right, and just gives like a an amazing speech, and maybe... Uh, Maybe he's the savior they need. He just like gets foot jobs from all the Russian soldiers and just until they all just die of heart attacks. <laughs> Posted on Pornhub in Ukraine since it's banned in Russia. It could yeah. happen. It could happen. Everybody, everybody's just content and they'll all go home after that. Yep. Did that Thomas guy have a question? Was he already on? I can't tell who's talking. Like my app's messed up, so it never shows who's actually speaking. So I just yeah, know people's he voices. Had a, he had a question earlier. Um, if anybody else has a question, go ahead. Now's the time to kind of raise your hand. We'll open it up a little bit. Um, but 
nobody else has too many more questions, we might wrap this one up. While we're waiting, if, if anybody does have a question, a uh, few people have asked. So there is there is going to be a website coming. Uh, we'll set it up. We'll figure we'll figure it out. Still got some stuff to do on it and um, try to showcase some of the the great work and research that others have done. Um, sometimes you know you go through Twitter and you kind of lose threads and even doing something like a link tree, like you just can't capture everything. So. I'm um, going to try to showcase some of that and uh, try to focus down, do some topic stuff on certain issues that you kind of need the research in front of you. And we have some embedding and, and ability to do that where we're going to be able to kind of focus in on, on certain things. And uh, we have a forum that's up, up right now um, that's live. The rest of the site is not live yet, but um, if anybody wants to check that out, we'll try to, you know, it's going to be sluicecorner.com eventually right now it's, if you want to go to the forum, I have a link on my on my page. But um, yeah, we'll open this up for questions and uh, try to keep doing these on Thursday nights. Probably continue doing it in spaces. Politico, but... uh, Politico got coverage of the uh, of the hearing, saying the judge warns the special counsel over provocative court filing. Yeah, yeah, I saw his of... quote. That was that was garbage. Like it, I mean, it wasn't even that much of a warning. He was just like, "Hey, uh, just realize that some people are going to take this out of context." Basically, I didn't see that. Is that a big deal at all? Hackberry, what's up? Well, I was wondering if, thank you, Ryan, if. Fool could maybe walk me backwards and see if we could understand maybe where the stuff about Guccifer 2 plus Shadow Brokers came from. I now Once you guys started talking about it, I was like, wait a minute. I think I might have heard that pop up way back, like 17 or 18. Am I off? What? Uh, I mean... No, you're not off. No. I mean, like the idea was, I mean, some people were always saying that, that oh, the shadow brokers are Russian hackers or related to, uh, they call it, I don't know. I can't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I can't remember if they were saying, oh, it's GRU again, that it's this APT 28 or whatever. Yeah. But, that, uh, was, yeah. Source, I think probably was really kind of my, like what I'm really interested in, I think. Like, the what? The source of it, where, where it, where it came from. The source of them being tied together. Yeah, was it like I'm just generally was it? I can't even remember, but like I mean, Marcy wrote about this, like that she she, um, that she heard there's a forensic tie between these two entities, and uh, I mean, already out there, they're saying that oh yeah, the shadow the shadow brokers was. Some people are saying that it, it's an insider, and some people are saying it was like the Russian state actors. Yeah, there are lots actors, of rumors. Yeah, there are lots of rumors, and there are rumors all over the place. And there were stories about how he was caught on Twitter, right? Or so, so there was a Twitter account, and there were DMs, and there were there was all this drama. Yep. Okay, you do remember all that? No, yeah, yeah, because Hal Martin went. He DM'd two Kaspersky researchers, and then they went to the NSA 
some NSA people that they said they met at Black Hat like in a conference like a month before. And then they trade then they looked at Hal's Twitter account, like Hal nine 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 nine. And then they traced that to like his LinkedIn and other things that he used the same account for, and then they went and arrested him. Okay. And one thing I was but, trying to go But on, you should read like Marcy like that's why Marcy went to the, the FBI is because she thought that this guy, Michael Adams, this this source that that she was working with that she said she got like information that that was basically proof that Trump colluded with Russia. She thought this source was involved with Goosefer 2.0 and the Shadow Brokers. So that's why she went to the FBI. After WannaCry, like after Eternal Blue leaked out like in April 2017 or whatever, and then mm-hmm. WannaCry happened, that's when she was like, all right, this is enough. And then she went to the FBI. Right. Yeah. I understand you're talking to people that are talking to you about things that are breaking in the news. Yeah, I understand. Um, okay. Yeah. And I, getting me like back to her and her blog, I, you accomplished what I was asking about. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, no problem. But to go forward with like on, on that, I think that the prosecutors thought potentially that like I was saying with those articles, that they thought that these Goose for Two and Shadow Brokers could be the same person because they're yeah, tying well, I mean, I the Shadow know. Brokers to Russian hackers and stuff like that. So they thought they might be the same entity. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess there's a million different ways. Which it could be. I don't know. Yeah, I guess there's a million different ways for a CHS or anyone to operate. As far as Marcy goes, like if she's talking to people that she's all of a sudden uncomfortable with her personally talking that her going to the FBI, I don't think is a big deal. Sometimes people just are like, Oh shit, who am I talking to? I need to protect. I don't think that's a a big deal, but where that rumor. Well, I mean like what rumor? I mean, it just other than the timing, but then again, a lot of that stuff happened on Twitter well, the controversy was she went to the FBI, time. like she had like she had a journalistic relationship with a source and she went to the FBI and she gave up the source. <laughs> I mean, that's why people are pissed at her, because she gave up her her source where she was right, supposed yeah. to be a journalist, where you're supposed to protect your source or whatever. And then she just gave him up. I, and I'm sorry, I I'm my mind. It, it goes to a different place. And I, I don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree with that either. But um. Yeah. Okay. So it it was a source in DM or something like that. No, she knew him in real life. She's met this guy. You should read the articles. His name's Michael Adams. I'll go back and read it. Thank you, fool. I I really appreciate it. Yeah, because if you don't know, like, I tricked her into actually revealing the source. (laughs) I basically... uh, you devil. Um, I um, uh, socially engineered her into actually revealing who this source is, which I don't like to to uh, to do that often. But I wanted to figure out. Yeah, who it was, well, so. I I appreciate. It. I, Even I though appreciate me and Marcy it. are still good, me and Marcy are still cool, so it's all good. But I uh, appreciate the pain. I use some en- I use some hacking tactics in the way I do it, but I I appreciate so, the pain that it took you to kind of 
say that you did that because plenty of people would brag about that and be real proud of it instead of the way that that you said that you did it. But I mean, it sometimes it has to be done and some things need to be known. And I understand that. I mean, well, I actually, I actually can't believe it worked the way I did it, to be honest. But <laughs> still um, love you, Marcy. Element of surprise. <laughs> you, she didn't expect it coming from you anyway, right? I mean, it's like underestimating people but at any rate i well she didn't know it was me i was like posting on her blog as as michael adams or whoever i was posting as and then she was like oh michael adams has been posting on my blog i'm like well she said like oh my source has been posting on my blog when it was actually me so then she gave it up oh so you actually had game like you actually used technique yeah that's why i socially socially engineered her into doing that you definitely did Okay, so I I'll go back and read this stuff. And did she leave your comment up? Yeah, it's up. I think yeah, I like. It. I think her. I just said like um, Michael Phil Adams. Yeah, I understand it being scary. Also, so you know, um, I I don't know. I mean, I don't really have anything to say before I read it. Thank you. We'll make sure those screenshots get on the web page on the new web page, Swiss Corner. That those are like cornerstone. Uh, a hundred percent. That's not something that you can't, that's not something you leave off the website. Must include that. Actually, that like, even like till this day, that was like maybe my favorite uh, thing I've ever done on Twitter, to be honest. Just because I thought it was pretty funny <laughs> that it worked, but. Can't really compete with that. The best thing I ever did was send send some guy a pizza so <laughs> Eric what Eric something I forget his name good guy <laughs> yeah good guy good guy anybody have anything else any questions or anything out there otherwise I'll uh, probably wrap this one up well hey fool I was before you got on maybe uh, maybe you had more conversation with the guy and you don't want to talk about it but uh, I got retweeted today that dude from last year Mr. Smith or whatever it was that like came out and said, Oh yeah, I, I, I know a guy that knows Joffy and he was on to, they were, they were working with the, the DNC hack the whole time. And it would seem like totally they were, that guy knew something cause he was ahead of the game. Is that something you can talk about? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I've been in contact with him. Uh, since then he's gave me other information, um, that checks out. Uh, yeah. So yeah, after that happened, um, I like said something on Twitter, like Mr. Smith reach out like to my email or something like that. Or maybe I did it on Substack, I can't remember. But then he emailed me. Then uh, he's given me other stuff, uh, which checked out and worked. And uh, I don't know, maybe one day you'll 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 figure you'll know what that was. Uh, and that's all I can say. I mean, yeah, it seems like I mean he obviously was working with these people. I don't know who it is, but um, he's right. If I can interject. That's all I know. John, John, and, Smith, and, and, uh, John Smith is, John Smith is used by a lot of anons. It's, it's kind of like Guy Fox. Well, it's Mr. Smith from the, the matrix basically was his. Right. Pseudonym. Right. Yeah. Just like, just like Wick. Yep. Yep. Yeah, like so John Wick. I, I would just I would assume anon or you know somebody from the dark corners of the internet. 
I is mean, he... this guy is, and he just worked with Jaffe and and people before. He was at New Star, I guess. Um, but he's given me other information that definitely checked out, and uh, cool guy. Or at least I maybe he worked in New Star. I don't know. He worked with Jaffe. Actually, I'm not positive he worked in New Star. <clears throat> I think there's no telling. I think he could be from any of Jaffe's lives. But well, he could have worked on like Configure or any of those other things, or I mean, all those guys collaborate. So it's just funny because there's these breadcrumbs, like the Weaponized Autism blog. There's just a few that, at the time, you know, we're all like, "There's got to be something there." And maybe you guys even, you know, knew right away there was more to it. And then, you know, years later, all of a sudden, it's it's panning out, and it's like, "Yeah, that's exactly what this guy was saying." No, yeah, like the weaponized autism guy was definitely on point. And he was on point about, like, remember I got that other email that was anonymous, and they're like, uh, yeah. this thing that and, happened uh, in 2016 is the floor. But this other thing, did he send these these videos about Stuxnet? And then he's and like, the other articles, like, on weaponized autism are even more interesting. And I think I might be figuring out, I think, like, we might know what that is. But, hmm, the other account, hmm. Hmm. Has been working on that. I don't know if he's ever going to release it, but uh, maybe hmm, it has to make a comeback about that. Because actually, now I know why it's related to Alpha Bank and this crap, which is interesting. Oh, we're gonna find out about that. <laughs> Rack my head over every piece of same, that blog same, for so same, long. same guys. Same guys. <laughs> it's weird. It's really weird. Which you like, and then like you go forward like. Actually, this is this is like the coolest project ever. Which he should actually—he's not in here, is he? He's definitely not in here. That guy's like—he'll <laughs> like we'll like talk and stuff, and then like we go on these like projects. I'm like, all right, you you gonna you gonna tweet anything about it? And then never happens. No, great. Eventually, he will at some point. Because I remember like we were talking like last week, and he's he's like, all right, yeah, I'll do it on Saturday or whatever. <laughs> Nothing well, look, we're going we're gonna to write a book about this whole thing someday, right? When all these prosecutions happen, everyone's in jail, and uh, we all want to go on the circuit and be on Ellen or whatever the show is now. And uh, so we need all these details because this is, this is great stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to write it. I'm not going to write the book. Somebody else can write it, but I'll tell you all this stuff. The signing tour is where it's at anyway. Yeah. Brian, do you have a question? <laughs> No, I'm just messing around. <laughs> no, I... Hey, uh, I got something. Sure. Um, so I saw that someone, uh, I forget who wrote it, that um, they speculated that Peter Strzok had been put for grand jury in Durham's investigation. Um, but... I also read that he wouldn't, that you don't usually put targets before a grand jury. So if he isn't a target, then does that mean, <laughs> and he got put before the grand jury, then that kind of sucks. Yeah. They, um, basically Durham put out that list of everybody that had been before a grand jury. And I think there's a little bit of ambiguity of whether it is struck or not. Um, I think I read a few articles where they they weren't quite as sure. So, um, Fool, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, yeah. So, like, I mean, 
in the counterintelligence division, there's there's obviously multiple uh, deputy assistant directors. So, def- I mean, a lot of people jump to the conclusion that it was Struck, but I'm not sure if Struck was even um, overseeing that alpha case. So, it might not have been him. It's whoever was overseeing the alpha case, which I don't think Struck probably was because it was because he was probably pretty busy on Crossfire Hurricane. Well, Struck and it, Struck did say he had a small role in the Alpha stuff. He he had some type of role when Sussman brought it into Baker and yeah, um, the dissemination of that information. So uh, I think that's the tie-in of why people are, are assuming it's Struck. But to your point, I mean, beyond that, I thought Baker uh, don't have much. Baker passed the uh, the uh, dossier to him, the Alpha stuff. Yeah, maybe he did. I thought he just brought the alpha stuff to to pre-stab. Yes, he he brought it to pre-stab, but then I think stop number two, and the, Struck actually said this. Like he he gave an interview a few weeks ago, and he said oh, something okay. to the effect that he had like a small role in this. Um, okay. Somewhere just after it, it went to pre-stab, basically. So, how about um, Lisa Page? Has uh, she been? questioned or even interviewed by Durham yet? Do we know? No, I mean there's nothing in the in the record. I, I have seen interviews where you know I think Cash Patel even or, or somebody like that was kind of suggesting like, okay, well Durham's gonna give immunity to Lisa Page and Peter Strzok and they're gonna be like the key witnesses. And that I don't think we've seen any evidence of that. And um after all that speculation came out struck went on tv and just like was torching the whole investigation and stuff and in a manner that i don't think a witness would have done like i don't think durham would have like allowed that so um no i i don't think they're they're witnesses and you know i don't i don't know i don't think we have any information on that got you thank you Anybody have anything else? Ryan, do I get a prize for being the first person to sign up? <laughs> yes. As soon as we figure out T-shirts and mugs and stuff, <laughs> we'll send oh, you yeah. something. <laughs> so excited. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, Super interesting day. Obviously, we got that the huge piece from Margo. So many open questions right now, and and we'll have to see over the next couple of days. Hopefully, more people pick up the story and people start asking the right questions. So we'll stay on it. We'll keep putting in FOIAs and fighting for information and trying to trying to connect those dots. So thank you to everybody that came out. We'll probably do this again on Thursday, and uh, yeah. Everyone have a good night. Every, thanks, thank Brian. you to everybody thanks. that spoke. Yeah. Thanks, Fool. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, thank you, Fool. Thank, thank you, Ryan. Thank, thank you all. I'm innocent. Appreciate everything. For sure. See y'all next time. Unless World War Three and nuclear holocaust break out. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Nope, you're still coming. Still okay. mandatory. Okay, sweet. Can't wait. <laughs> Send Hunter Biden. Oh, yeah.
All right. See you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs>